And good morning. Welcome to the Pulse WV Live, a network that beats to the heart of God. I'm your host, John Fowler, and pastor of the Gasaway Campus in uh, Braxton County, West Virginia. We're so glad to have you tuned in to this Monday edition. Today is the 12th day of September. It's hard to believe that we're just kind of clipping right through. We have uh, also uh, on the uh, podcast today, Evangelist Isaac Carpenter from Restore Ministries out of Huntington, West Virginia. And uh, man, Isaac, what a sermon you preached yesterday in Gasaway. Man, it was just the, the anointing was so strong, wasn't it? Yes, sir. It was powerful. We had a, we had an amazing time in the Lord yesterday. It was powerful. Well, and you know, just as uh, as you being new to the pulse, as uh, you know, coming to to preach yesterday, um, tell us a little bit about uh, Restore Ministry out of Huntington, West Virginia, and how you got in ministry, and a little bit about your credentials as we get started in talking about the sermon today. Absolutely. Well, first off, Pastor John, I thank you for the opportunity uh, you gave me yesterday and this opportunity to be on the podcast. It's an honor. Oh, it's glad to have you here. A little bit about myself. Um, When I graduated high school, I knew there was a call of God on my life, so I left and I attended uh, Bible college at Valor Christian College in Columbus, Ohio, under the uh, covering of uh, Pastor Rod Parsley. And so I graduated with an associate's degree in pastoral leadership and an associate's degree in church planning. And so when I graduated, I came back to West Virginia, where I've been born and raised in Huntington. And um, I feel like that God has called me to this area. And so we came back. I came back after Bible college. Um, I got married. And after I got married, my wife and I knew that at some point it it was time for us to step out into full-time ministry. Um, And it wasn't immediately when we got married. It was about a year and a half, um, closer to two years. We stepped out. Um, at the beginning of this year into full-time ministry. And the name of the ministry, as you mentioned, Pastor John, is Restore Ministries. And our mission statement is simply to seek the lost, find the lost, and then ultimately restore the lost through the preaching and demonstration of the gospel. And so that's our mission, seek, find, and restore. And we are uh, a nonprofit. We uh, We do have our 501c3 through the government. We've already gotten through that process. Uh, and that was that was a journey, but we're thankful that we uh, been there. We man. have atta- we have obtained that. <laughs> been um, there, and, you. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a journey, but we we've got it. We're on the other side of it, um, and so uh, so since earlier this year when we stepped out, you know, we have attained the five hundred one c three as I mentioned. Um, doors have begun to open, and um, we've been preaching. Uh, this is the first month, actually, Pastor John September, where we're going to be somewhere every weekend in the uh, month of September. Uh, wow. We were in Portsmouth on this Saturday, and then, you know, I was with you all on Sunday. And then this this weekend, I'll be in Tennessee. The following weekend, I'll be in Kentucky. So God's slowly beginning to open up doors as we've been faithful and we've stepped out in obedience. Um, but if, if you would like more information, you can be sure to go to our website. It's restoreministrieswv.com. And on the website, there's all the information you can um, there's an about us page where you can see my wife and myself. Um, there's a, there's a media tab where you can stay connected on social media. We've got podcasts, YouTube channel, um, anything that you could stay connected. And we also have an events tab where you can see um, if we're going to be anywhere near you. Um, and then there's also a giving tab if you, you know like to partner and everything. But that, that's the best way to, to check us out. Ultimately, Pastor John is uh, to just check us out at our website at RestoreMinistriesWV.com. So I'm typing that up there, up there right now, so that people can check it out. Uh, dot com. Let's see, restoreministries.com, right? 
Restore Ministries WV.com. WV.com. Yeah, somebody else somebody else took the restore ministries.com, so we had to, we had to put that WV in there. You have to tell them to give it back. So that's mine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no no doubt about it. So let me ask you something. The title of um the title and, and by the way, you have a great family. I mean, your yes. family, I'm sure they're probably watching right now or watching later. And uh, I mean, they're just uh, just really awesome people to come and drive that far hour and a half or hour, 45 minutes to hear their son and son-in-law and uh, to be with you and to help you in ministry, yes, you know, sir. to be right there behind you and, uh, and, and working the prayer lines with you. I just think that's just an awesome thing. Yes, it sir. Just, I'm blessed. I thought that was just really powerful. So the sermon topic, uh, and if you've not heard the sermon, folks, I, I encourage you to go to Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcast. Amazon Music, you can go to iHeartRadio and listen to it. The title is There Will Be Glory After This. So uh, here's the the question starting off with this is, uh, number one, where did the title come from? And then the second part of this question is, what is the this part of that sermon? So the the title came from, as as you mentioned, there will be glory after this. You know, when you go and read the the whole topic of of this sermon in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, verse 10 and 11, it says, And after you have suffered a little while, you know, the God of all grace who's called you to his eternal glory in Christ, he himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. And then verse 11 says, To him be the dominion forever. And so I want to go back to verse 10, and it says, And after you have suffered a little while. And so that's where I got the after this. And then you go to the end and it says, has called you to eternal glory. And so that's where I got the glory part. And so my favorite thing is in the beginning of that, it says, you know, pastor says, and after. So that indicates to me that there's going to be something on the other side of whatever I'm going through. And, you know, and so then you get to the ending of the scripture and it says eternal glory. So then that lets me know that there's going to be glory, you know, on the other side of whatever it is I'm going through. And so that's where I got the title. Um, And so what what was the second question? Uh, This. What is the this part? So the this may, I believe it could be different for anybody. Um, You know, for for me, my this may be sickness. Uh, For for somebody else's this, it may be poverty. For somebody else's this, it may be family struggles. The this is whatever situation, whatever trial, whatever moment of suffering, uh, whatever moment of uh, maybe you're in the fires of life, uh, whatever you're going through right now that doesn't look uh, good, doesn't look that promising, that is your this. And for, like I said, Pastor John, your this could be different for every single person. My this could be different from your this. For somebody watching, maybe everybody watching right now, everybody's this is different. But your this is whatever you're going through right now, whatever, as First Peter says in verse 10, after you've suffered. And so your this is whatever you're whatever you're suffering in right now, whatever trial you're in, whatever tribulation you're in, whatever you're going through right now, that's your this. You know, one of the things that, um, you know, I have and just like you, you know, I'm uh, quite older. I'm like 54. So I've, I've got a lot of preacher friends that are younger, a lot of preacher friends that are uh, younger and older and from all different faiths, just like I'm sure that you do. And sure. we all have this. We all have, you know, it's like sometimes you just don't agree on things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's not like you're fighting. It's just right. you just don't agree and, and you give each other a hard time over this. <laughs> one of the things, I'm not one of these get rich preachers, okay? Yeah. But I do believe in the prosperity message. 
Yes, sir. I do believe in the prosperity message. And I'm not one of these guys that says, send me $1,000 and God's going to bless you and this kind of stuff. I'm not that guy. I've never me been either. that guy. Me either. But I do believe that God wants us to prosper. When yes. you look at Deuteronomy 28 and you see all of the uh, all of the things that if we live in obedience that God's going to give us and he's going to bless us with. And then also the things, there's a, so basically there's a prerequisite to the blessing. But then yes. also... Through obedience. But if we're disobedient, then we're not going to receive all that God wants us to have. Yes, sir. But one of the things that that I have uh, con- conflict with some of my preaching buddies, and they have conflict with me over, but we laugh about it, is that uh, the suffering part. Yes. They said, how can we, if, if we, you know, it's like all the disciples suffered. All of them went through things. All of them went through battles and, you know, and death and all these kind of things. And I said, yes. And I said, but let me tell you something. I said, I believe that we're going to go through things in this life. If you don't go through things in this life, then you're, you're not going to grow. I mean, we're going to have to go through these things. But also, I believe uh, John 10.10, 10, that Jesus came to give us the abundant life. Yes, yes, he did. And so when you think about that question and what, well, I mean, what I've been saying is the abundant life, how does the abundant life and the suffering for a little while work together? That's a great question, Pastor John. I believe that, and this, I kind of mentioned this in the message yesterday when I talked about, you know, God has to take you through a suffering to see that if you can hold the glory of the Lord when it's dispatched from heaven. But I also think it also comes into this prosperity or blessing as well. I think that it's, it's almost a testing of your faith. And I, and I've always told it to people like this. I think, you know, the the scripture that says, if you'll be faithful in the little, I'll make you ruler over much. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same principle to, to the question that you just asked. I think that the Lord has to see where your level of faith is during the suffering and he's got to see if you can remain steadfast during the suffering before he gives you a blessing. And e- even even anything in life, even if it's not, you know, in the spirit realm, anything in life, you have to earn it. You just don't get things free. And so I think in we, we, we sometimes have this concept of, you know, he's he's an almighty and loving God. And so he's just going to give it to me for free. But it's it's something we have to work for. We have to earn uh, his level of, of trust. We And he has to know, you know, if I bless them with this. What are they going to do with it? Right. Are they going to steward it back to me? Are they going to, you know, give me the tithe? What, what are they going to do with it? And so I think the suffering is a time where the Lord is trying to see where your motives are at. He's trying to see where your heart's at. He's trying to see if your heart's in the right posture. If I do give them this blessing, what are they going to do with it? And so I think that he, he looks at you when you have the little and he sees if they can steward the little right. And they can still honor my word with the little, then I can trust them with the with the much. That's good. And so I think I think that's how the suffering goes into the blessing is when you when you're in the season of suffering, you know, that's when here's what here's how I'll say it. If you can't truly stay steadfast to him in the suffering, you won't when the blessing comes. Right. And so I think that that's that's the whole concept of the suffering is to see if he can trust you. Right. when the blessing comes. And so I think you have to earn that. So that's that's what I would think. One of the things that, that you said yesterday in the message that I had never heard before in my life, 
and I thought it was one of the most powerful things that I've ever heard in my life, was talking about that when we go through the pain, when we go through the suffering, it's to broaden our shoulders to yes. hold his glory. Yes. I mean, where did that come from? <laughs> I mean, that was so powerful. I know it came from God, but wow, how did you get that? Well, it, it, it's, a, <laughs> it's a funny thing. I, I honestly, I've never heard it. Um, there's there's some things in my messages that I, you know, quotes that I'll hear from another preacher or something. Sure. And it goes along with my topic and I'll grab it and pull it in. But I, I've never heard that before. And it was something that just the Lord brought to me in my prayer time as I was studying. And I think, I think, like I mentioned to you, I think that during this suffering, during all of this time after you have suffered a little while, I think that, like I had mentioned, God's trying to, or you're trying to earn trust. And I think that during that moment of suffering, it's, it's building up stamina. It's building up strength to broaden your shoulders to see if you can handle the glory because you know, the glory of the Lord on your life is heavy. God's glory is heavy. It's not something light. And so I think the Lord has to, and I mentioned this in the message yesterday, that if if you can't carry the weight of the world, then you're not going to be able to carry the glory of the Lord. It's just not going to happen because his glory is that heavy. Right. And so I think that during the moment of suffering, he's broadening your shoulders. And the longer and the more faithful you are in the suffering, the broader your shoulders get to carry more glory. And so I, I got that because the, the greatest people and the greatest men and women of God that I know that walk in such glory, they've suffered. You know, they didn't just mm-hmm. get the glory for free and they came through the suffering and then they got glory. Right. And so I think that the whole moment of you going through suffering is nothing more than broadening your shoulders, building up stamina and strength so that you can carry the glory of the Lord whenever he dispatches it from heaven. I think that was just absolutely powerful. Do you think that, uh, I can tell you what my answer is, and and I would say that your answer is this way. I think that pre people today pride themselves and enjoy telling people about their suffering. I agree. It's like you have to be so careful to ask certain people how they're doing because you're going to get it. You don't know how long you're going to be standing there. <laughs> <laughs> That's the truth. Why do people do that? Is it, isn't it, is it the fact is that they need attention? But, but, but see, in, in my opinion, I don't want to make heaven look bad. Yes. And so if I'm going around bragging about what the enemy's doing, uh, you know, I don't even, I don't even like talking about it. Yes, you know, sir. it's like, stop talking about the devil because, you know, he's, I mean, he's like a, he's like a gnat. I mean, we've got all power over him. Yes, sir. And so, but why are, why are people like that? Is, is the fact is that they don't have revelation? I, th- I think that, I think that the main focus is, is, is there's twofold. I think one is it's, it's an attention thing, but I think the all, the other thing is pastor John is I think most of those people probably have an identity issue. They don't mm-hmm. really know who they are in the Lord because if I'm going through suffering, that's still not my identity. You know, mm-hmm. whatever you're going through, whatever suffering it may be, your identity is the fact that you're a son or you're a daughter of the king. Yes. And so when I ask how you're doing and your immediate response is, you know, Satan's doing this, the enemy's doing this. Well, that tells me that tells me where your identity lies. You know, I'm you know, I know people that are are going through a, a rough sickness. But when I ask them how they're doing they're they don't sit there and tell me. Oh, I'm sick. I got a horrible doctor report. No, they're believing that they're the healed of the Lord. And so 
I think that it's an attention thing, but I also think it's it's an identity issue. And that's what that's what I really think. And so how do people how do people change that identity issue to be more like Jesus than than like the world? What do they need to do to do that? I think spending more time with him. And I know that's probably a, you know, well, no. duh, but but that's the truth. And the, the more you hang around someone, the more you become like them. Yes. You know, if the more that I hang around you, Pastor John, the more I find you out, the more I know you, the more. Uh, you know, closer we get. And it's the same way in your relationship with the Lord. If, if you want the stronger identity is going to take a deeper intimacy with him. And so the, 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 the more you're with him, the more you're alone with him and seeking his will for your life and his purpose for your life and, and spending time with him. I think that's when he molds you more, you know, it's, it's one of those things, the more you spend time with someone, the more, you know, him. Yeah, I, I, yes, I, I completely agree. And you got to spend time with Jesus. When, when you think about, you know, and I, I wrote this down that joy is unconditional. So there's a there's a thought about joy, and then there's a thought about happiness that you talked yes, about yesterday. Mm-hmm. Happiness uh, is not your situation, is is what I wrote down there. Can you explain the difference between the joy and the happiness when somebody goes back and listens to that message and they and they've heard this and they say, "Oh, I understand what he's saying." Yeah, so so I I have a hard time if I'm really honest with you, Pastor John, of believers that say that they don't have joy. I just I don't I don't understand that personally. Right. And I know, you know, you can be in the middle of suffering and it be harder at times, but I still think, you know, at the end of the day, you should still have the joy of the Lord knowing what he's done for you already. Yes. And so I think the difference between happiness and joy is simply this. Happiness is based on, you know, your current situation, what you're going through, you know, is, is, uh, did I just get a new job? Yes. I'm happy. Did I lose my job? I'm not happy. Does the bank account look good? I'm happy. Does the bank account not look good? I'm not happy. Whereas, so happiness is based on your current situation, your, your emotions, what it looks like around you, but joy is based on your revelation. Yeah. So good. So I'm going to say that again. You've had you have your happiness is based on your current situation. It's an emotional standpoint, but joy is based on your revelation. And when you have true revelation, it doesn't matter what your current situation is because I've got revelation. And so my question to those that are happy, but don't have joy is, do you have revelation of who he is? That would be my response. Right. Because I believe that when you have true revelation of who he is, there's no way you can't have joy. There's just, it's just not possible. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that, you know, every day it's going to be great and you're never going to have suffering or trial. That's not what I'm saying. Right. But what I am saying is through the trials and through the suffering, you can still have joy because you have revelation. And so I think once again, to reiterate it is happiness is based on your current situation, but joy is based on the revelation that you have of who he is. So happiness can be conditional. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it changes like the weather, you know, if people, yes, are, you know, it's like there's nothing that, 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 so to speak, bugs me more when somebody says I woke up in a bad mood. I mean, I'm not that way. I mean, I wake up the same every morning, you know, and it's, yeah, like, it's like you wake up, God's given you another day. How are you in a bad mood for that? Right. Yeah. It, it just, <laughs> it doesn't make sense at all. No, well, let me ask you something. You said this and, and, um, I highlighted, I, I mean, if I, if you are a teacher and and I get an A 
I took three pages of notes. I just want to let you know I took three pages. I mean, and and I I could go back and listen to it again <laughs> and again and again. This is really good. Okay, so here's here's what you said. You said we want shakable faith, but we don't want our faith to be shaken. Yes. And I thought that was so powerful. It, it's it, it goes back to one thing is is Jesus said you got to take up your cross and follow Him. You got to yes. pay the cost. There's a price in walking with Jesus. Yes. So, what is the fact is that people don't want their faith shaken, but or it's like we don't want shakable. We want shakable faith, but we don't want our faith to be shaken. Well, I mean, what does that mean? What's your thoughts there? Yeah. So, so I think you know everybody wants this level of faith, Pastor John, to where they can they can just see anything happening. Anything's impossible. No matter what the enemy is sending my way, I've got this unshakable faith. But then in order to get unshakable faith, your faith has to be shaken. That's how you grow. That's how you strengthen. Yeah. And so along the process to get this unshakable faith, you've got to allow your faith to be shaken. What am I saying? I'm saying that you've got to allow suffering in trials and tribulation is a testing of your faith. So it shakes your faith. So in order for your faith to grow, you've got to have trials. You've got to have tribulations. You've got to have all these things going on. And so I think that we as a body of believers have to understand in, in order for me individually, but also the body of Christ to have unshakable faith, we have to be willing and allow our faith to be shaken, whether it's the Lord testing our faith or whether it's situations of life just testing our faith. And so we have to understand it's a twofold thing. You don't just get unshakable faith and never go through a trial in your life. You know, it's, it's those things that make your faith so powerful and so strong is when you're able to go through something and look on the other side of it, that's how your faith grows. Yeah. Because you said to steward your pain. And I wrote that down, you know, to, to steward my pain and to, and that there's a purpose for the pain. Um, but yet, you know, one thing, one thing that I loved and see people don't need to be sulking around in the sorrow of this thing yes. because there, like I wrote this down, that when you're down in the valley, you know, I always heard this, you know, if you stay down in the valley too long, the devil's going to beat up on you. Learn what yep. you need to get while you're there and get out. Get because out Yeah, just get out of there. But here's the thing that I loved. And man, I tell you, it just got chills before I even read it here. There is a giant that you need to slay in the valley. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, that is powerful. So why do do we do we go to the valley so that we can slay that giant? Yeah, I think that you know when when you're at a mountaintop experience, Pastor John, and you're looking down at the valley, it's it's oftentimes hard to see what's in the valley because you're looking so high up. Mm -hmm. And so I think that oftentimes when you're looking from a mountain perspective or an aerial view like that, you may miss the giants that need to be killed in your life. And so what the Lord, I believe, has to do is, like I mentioned, I think that there's two reasons why you go in the valley. One, as you just mentioned, is because there's a giant there that needs to be taken care of. And the second is, I believe that you'll go to the valley because the Lord needs to reveal something to you about yourself in the valley. And so, I mean, Jesus, he was in the wilderness all the time. And mm -hmm. that, you could say, almost is a valley experience. I mean, he's in the wilderness. And Every time he's in the wilderness, he had an encounter with Jesus. Every time he had an wow. encounter with the father, you know, every time Jesus was in the wilderness. And so I think that the valley experience, I believe that God 
has sent you there for those two reasons, because there's a giant there that you didn't know was there or you couldn't see from your perspective. So God had to bring you down to the valley because there's a giant there, or he's got to bring you back down to reality in a sense and say, hey, listen, there's this one thing that you couldn't see about yourself that you need to tweak or fix when you're on top of the mountain. So I'm going to bring you down here and just shine some light on this. And so that way we can we can take care of this. So you and then I'll bring you back to the mountain. But as you said, when you go to the valley, it's not a place to to set up camp, uh, you know, and, and to stay there permanently. It's I'm I'm in the valley because there's I'm on a mission. I'm on a mandate. I'm on an assignment. Let's take care of the assignment. and Let's get out of here. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, because um, what people what people have said, and I've heard this before. Well, God's mad at me. God's punishing me. So I'm down here in the valley. Woe was me. But but yet, I believe personally, and, and tell me your thoughts here too, because the old timers and the old timers that I come up under and that are still alive probably in your life as well, uh, you know, my mentor, uh, uh, James Ashworth, I sat with him for many years, and, and he worked with me in the healing ministry for a long, long time and taught me so much. He said, Brother John, he said, you'll either go to the valley or God can take you to the woodshed. Sometimes he'll take you to the woodshed over things, but then yeah. there's other times that you go to the valley. So do you think, is the valley a, a punishment thing? Because you know as well as I do, people sometimes think that. Yeah. I I think that ultimately when you look at the, the big picture, Pastor John, I think the reason that the Lord takes you to the valley is to better yourself. Yeah. And when we have this woe is me attitude, it's because we have this, oh, I don't need to be in the valley. I, there's nothing that I need to fix. I'm good. I'm taken care of. That's dangerous. God is <laughs> taking you. What is it? That's dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and so if, if God's taking you to the valley, you must understand it's for a purpose and on purpose. And so when you get to that seasons of be, you feel like you're in the valley, that's when you have to ask God, why am I here? Yes. I'm not here on accident. I didn't just stumble here. You've got me here for a reason. And so it's either to better yourself or because there's a giant there. And I and I don't I don't think when you have this perspective of God is a punishing God and that's all he's about and he doesn't love. He's like a he's like a God with a newspaper just trying to hit you on the top of the head. You know, if you do something wrong, that's that's not our God. He's a gracious and loving God. Yes. Now, is there consequences to sin and disobedience? Absolutely. But he's not the kind of God that every time there's a mistake, he's, he's going to whip you. That's not, that's not our God. And so I think when we go to the valley, we must understand it's for the betterment of ourself or for those around us. It's a learning process. It's a teaching process. That's what I think. You know, one thing that I've, the one thing that I have learned, and, I, and maybe you can relate to this too, because it's, um, it, it's kind of it's strange, but it seems like that when I'm tripping over myself, that's when God uses me the most. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> but I just can't seem to get it right. It's like, man, that it, it seems like when that happens, that's when the revelation comes. Yes. That's when it's like, man, I can't seem to get this right. What What is wrong with me here? And then through his great compassion and mercy, he uses you, you know, to, to help catapult you to that level of where yes, he wants us. Sir. You know, now, there is one thing. Jensen Franklin said this one time, and I, I really liked what I, when he said this. He said, because we know 
that God, the valley will help promote us yes. into the kingdom. You know, the valley will help move us to an, to another level. You know, but see, what people say is they say, and you've probably heard this, they say, well, you know, uh, another level, another devil. And, but I, I look at it th- that it's what Jensen said, another level, more protection. Yes, that's true. You know, and I, and I believe that. And it's it's like people are so, so morbid in this thing with the devil that's like, well, if I grow, then he's going to fight me more. Yeah. No, what happens is our, our, our mission is to advance the kingdom of God and to push yes, back sir. the spirit of darkness. Yes. And so if going to the valley, although it's uncomfortable, and I'm sure many people today that are watching and listening are, are probably in that valley. Yes, sir. So, you know, it's like it, you have to do you have to do what Isaac says. You you learn what you need to learn and get out of it. Get out of and there. Don't sulk around and place. sorrow over it because I guarantee you, um, you know, it's going to uh, it's going to it's going to be painful. You know, it's like the seven sons of Sceva, if you're not careful why you're, why you're there. You know, absolutely. Let me just go through here and see, because there are there is this, there was one other thing that I just thought was so, so powerful. Uh, and let me see why I just lost it. I can't find it. I took so many notes, I can't find that one. Let's see, God has da 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 Yeah, go ahead. Thank you, you. There's something you said that uh, you just now said that people give so much attention nowadays, Pastor John, to the enemy. Yeah. And I think that something told somebody told me this once years ago, and I, and I don't really honestly remember who it was, but they said, what you magnify, you glorify. Yeah. And what you magnify, you glorify. And so if you're constantly talking about and the powers of the enemy and what he's doing in your life and how he's so strong and, and all this he's doing, you are, you are magnifying the issue. You're magnifying what he's doing. And ultimately you're giving him glory. Yes. And so if you were to flip your perspective and magnify, you know, if you're sick, magnify that you're healed, you're glorifying the fact that Jesus is healing you. Right. And so I think those kind of people that are always talking about, the devil's so powerful. He's so mighty. I think you just have to shift your your focus and not look so much on the on the negative, but let's focus on the good and what God says about this situation. That's good, and thanks for bailing me out there because I I found it, and, and because I think this is this is something that's just absolutely phenomenal. You, you stop and think at when towards the end of of the time that Jesus was here on earth. Um. And you you look at the day of transfiguration, there weren't a lot of people there. Yeah. And but yet he fed the five thousand. Uh when he was crucified, you know, there were a lot of people that were saying crucify him. Those were the same ones that, you know, just a week before were magnifying his name. Yes, sir. And so a lot of people and, and I'm and the only way that I can say this is a lot of people were around Jesus for the show. Yep. Although he wasn't putting on a show. Yeah. But yet they thought it was a show. And, you know, yeah. because this guy's getting healed, this person's getting healed. He's healing. He said he healed them all. Yeah. And so there's many people there that are like that. But one of the things that you said in the message is there are people that need signs. Yes. But they don't have faith. Yeah. Is it because they have to see it? He said, blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believe. Yeah. 
So do these people don't have faith if they have to rely on the signs and wonders? I, I do believe that. I do believe that because I think someone that has true faith, as I mentioned yesterday, you know, I, I don't I don't need to see the sign as to prove that I have faith. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I have a, I have faith and the sign is just proof that I have faith. The sign, the sign doesn't give me faith. The sign proves that I have faith. Wow. Does that make sense? That's and good. so I think when you have someone that's like, you know what? If God does this for me, I'll then have faith in him. Or if this truly happens, I'll then have faith in him. That's not faith. Faith is, I believe he's going to do it. Yes. Faith is, I believe this is going to happen. And so if you need signs or evidence coming before to have faith, that's not faith. Faith is that's what? Good. Faith is the evidence of things not even seen. That's what the, that's what the Bible says. And so yes. that scripture alone tells me that having faith is not having the ability to see it but faith is having the ability to know, even though I don't see it, it's coming. Wow. And so I think that you just have to think that, that signs, signs are evidence of faith. They're not faith, if that makes sense. They're evidence of it. So, so talk about, talk about the, the movie theater revelation that you received about coming soon and then how that ties in to birthing something. Yes, sir. So, so my wife and I, like I said, I don't remember how long ago this was because we were in the movie theater and with COVID, you know, they've been shut down for a while. But we, we went into the movie and um, we sat down and had our popcorn and we went in. The theater was dark. They were getting ready to start playing the previews, you know, how they, they do that before the movie. And so we sit down. It's a dark room. The screen's black. All of a sudden, they begin to show trailers, um, previews of movies that were getting ready to come out that hadn't happened yet. Um, to grab your attention. And then at the end of every preview, at the end of every trailer, there were two words that I noticed occurred. And those words were coming soon. And so, so I, I felt like that in this message that I had yesterday is that there's a lot of people that are sitting in a, in a place just like that. Like you're sitting in a room or you're, you're, you're where you're at in life is just like we were in the theater where it's pitch black, the screen's black. It looks like there's no hope. And all of a sudden, I see the Lord bringing a preview or a trailer of what's to come in your life. And at the end of the preview or the trailer are those words coming soon. And so that's what I ultimately felt like is as the scripture we read after you've suffered a little while, then glory's coming. And so I feel like that trailer is a prophetic gesture of coming soon that this, this is about to end and whatever you've been looking for and the glory of God is about to come soon. And so, uh, and then I, I shared that, but then I also shared, uh, my wife and I, we had our first child and he's 16 months old. And, you know, you were mentioning the, uh, the birthing and all that. And, and the, I realized that the closer that she got to her due date, she experienced more pain, more discomfort. Um, she couldn't sleep at nights, all these things that she used to be able to do and, and didn't have, she now has why, because there's one reason She's about to birth something. Mm -hmm. And the closer you get, Pastor John, to a birth, whether it's naturally or spiritually, there's labor pains. It's just a it's just a part of it. And so for those of you that are watching or for those of you that were in the room yesterday, labor pains, discomfort, suffering, um, all of these things are just indication or confirming that you're about to birth something. 
that you're about to do something that you've never done before. That's why you're experiencing labor pains. And that's why I mentioned it yesterday. I truly believe that we're seeing all of these crazy things happening in the earth today because the earth is having labor pains because the earth is doing what is groaning. It's groaning for the manifestations of the sons and daughters of God. And so the earth is experiencing labor pains because the earth is because heaven is trying to dispatch something on the earth, a move, but earth, the natural earth realm can't handle it. So it's, it's, it's going through labor pains. We're getting ready to birth something. So whatever you're going through right now, the discomfort, the not being able to sleep at nights, the pain, the suffering, it's just an indication that you're getting ready to birth something. It's just labor pain. So hold on and know that Labor pains are just confirmation that something great is coming. You know, that's amazing because I'm, I'm one of these type of, of people who sleeps all night. You know, I, I, no matter what's going on in my life, I sleep. Mm-hmm. But the past several weeks, there has been restlessness in my sleep. Yeah, yeah. I, I can agree to that to me, too. Yeah, I mean, what is that? I think, I think the Lord is trying to do something. I really do. And, I, and I'm not trying to be super spiritual or well, duh, but I really, I really do. I think, um, cause I was the same way I was, you know, I would say probably two months ago is when it started, but prior to those two months sleeping every night, not having an issue, but about two months ago, just restlessness doesn't matter how many hours I'm really in bed. I'm not sleeping. I'm not resting. It's kind of like a, my eyes are closed and you know, here's another day. And I believe that the Lord is prodding, um, and I'm not trying to preach here, but I really do believe that the Lord is prodding at his sons and daughters to, in the midnight hour, to burn some midnight oil and to seek him. Wow. Um, I really do, because it's not going it, to, it can't just be one person birthing on the earth what the Lord wants. It's going to take a body of believers. And so I think, you know, it waking up in the middle of the night to seek him is a sacrifice. You know, you want to sleep, your flesh wants to sleep, your flesh wants to get rest. So you waking up in the midnight hour when he's poking and prodding at you to seek him is, is going to be part of what it's going to take to birth what the Lord wants to do in the earth. So I think that's all it's doing. It's, it's labor pains. Yes. And you know, I would, when, a, when a woman's close to her due date, she can't sleep. She's, she can't. And it's the same exact way. Um, you know, when, when you're trying to birth something in, in the spirit realm, you just, you just you can't sleep. Don't you wonder how they do it? I mean, I do. I mean, I'm just thankful, Pastor, that I am a man. (laughs) I'm with you. Well, you know, the here's what I wrote down: the Holy Spirit doesn't care if you sleep. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I mean, yeah. I mean, the Holy Spirit doesn't. I mean, it's like I'm. If you need to be up, you know, because He's on the earth. You know, the Holy Spirit's right here, and He's He's prodding you. He's like, get up, you know. And uh, me, I normally get up like today. I normally get up on Mondays about seven or about six thirty, and I was up at five thirty this morning, which is unusual for me. I was here at six, a little after six, and I'm thinking, Lord, what are you doing? But you know, (laughs) here's the key to this whole thing. Uh, Well, I mean, there's a lot of keys, but there. This is something you know. I spent 19 years in banking. I know wow. what it's like to go in the in the vault and see hundreds of thousands of dollars. I know what it's like to hold thousands of dollars in my hand. I know what that's like. Um, but I loved what you said that a thief doesn't rob an empty vault. Yes, sir. And and so if the enemy is is on my trail, 
What's he trying to do? He's trying to rob. He's trying to rob me of the goods, right? Yes, sir. So if the enemy's not bugging me, uh, that would be a bad sign, wouldn't it? Yeah that that it, that is a that is a, a scary place to be. Yeah. If you're going through life and the enemy has never been on your trails, it's time to reevaluate. Yeah. Because, like I said, you know, a thief doesn't rob empty vaults, and so if if the enemy's not coming after you to rob you of your goods and your blessing and your purpose, then we, yeah. it's time to reevaluate. And I'm just, you know, I'll just kind of put it like that because the fact that the enemy is trying to take something from you and rob you is an indication that I have something. Mm-hmm. And so when, when people come to me and they say, like we mentioned earlier, man, the enemy's just been on my trail. You know what my response is? Well, that's a good thing. Yeah. Why? Because that means you've got something that he doesn't have. <laughs> That's so good. And if if he already had something, if he already had it, he wouldn't be chasing you for it. That's and so if he's crazy. chasing you, it's because he's scared of you. He's scared of what the anointing that's on you and the purpose that's within you. So when the enemy's chasing me down, it makes me excited because that means I'm doing something right. Yeah, that is, so good. Not, that is so good. If he's not chasing you, you're probably not doing something right. Yeah, that's it. You yeah. got any? You got any final uh, final thoughts on on the sermon that you preached yesterday? Anything that I didn't bring out that that maybe uh, that you want to talk about before we move on to a different thing? Yeah, the, the last thing I would just like to say is just to encourage everybody um, to obviously go back and listen to it. But there's there's one thing that I do want to say, and that is at the beginning of the passage of scripture in First Peter chapter five verse ten. I'm going to read it to you. It says, "And after you have suffered a little while." And so my favorite thing is, is that Peter isn't just saying you're going to suffer, but he's saying a little while, meaning he's giving you a deadline and he's saying that it's not, you're not going to suffer forever. That's good. And so maybe there's somebody watching and you have been in this season of suffering and God, when is this ever going to end? Is this ever going to end? And some of you maybe have even given up on the expectation of change. And you've just said, I guess this is it. I'm just going to settle here. Well, I just wanted to tell you that after you have suffered a little while, just hold on. It's almost over. There's getting ready to be a period, not a comma, and that there is going to be something on the other side of this suffering. So don't get too comfortable here because you're getting ready to move. That's so awesome. So, I mean, I just, I can't get enough of this stuff. It's go, so good. <laughs> well, let me ask you, what do you say to the person that um, that needs prayer today? Maybe they're not where they need to be with Jesus, and maybe they are in that valley, and they're, I mean, they got bumps and bruises like you and yeah. believe. What do you say to Here's that person? Here's what I'll say. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. What do you say to that person? I would, I would say to this person a couple of things. The first thing was, I would say is don't give up. Don't stop fighting. I think that a lot of people, when they get to the Valley, they automatically give up because it's so hard to climb from the Valley back up to the mountain, but it's rewarding. And most people give up there. And I would Mm -hmm. say, don't give up. Don't lose hope. Stay encouraged, but obey him while you're there. That's the biggest thing. He sent you there for a reason. Ask him what that reason is. And when he tells you what the reason is, you must obey him. After you obey him, get out of there. It's not a permanent place. That's good. Let me ask you something. Um, And I don't think we I don't think we got to talk about this, but I'd like to if we could. Struggler struggle struggle means that you have not been overtaken. Yes, sir. And I, I missed that one a little bit ago because I thought that one was awesome. So what does that mean? So if strugglers, are you saying that strugglers will make it? I do. Yeah. I, I believe that because if you're struggling, 
if you're in, if you're in a fight, if you were looked at two fighters, Pastor John, and they're in a they're in a boxing ring and they're fighting, maybe one's even getting beat way more than the other, but they're still both fighting, which means there hasn't been a winner yet, right? Because they're both still fighting, and so it's the same way in the spirit realm. The fact that you're fighting and you're in this fight and you're struggling against the enemy is an indicator that you haven't lost. Because if you did lose, you wouldn't be fighting. He would have moved on. And so the fact that you're in a fight and you're fighting is good news because there's still a chance that you can possess victory. That you haven't lost and that you've not been overtaken. And and so basically, uh, defeat means you quit. Yes, defeat means I've given up, I've I've waved the white flag, and I've surrendered. As long as you fight, you're fighting from a place of victory. You're not fighting for victory. That's so as so long as long as you fight, you're going to get victory. It's guaranteed. That is so awesome. That's so powerful. Well, I tell you what, I don't know what else to say. This is good. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> the word of God. The word of God is good. I tell you what, you have a powerful anointing on you, and God's God's using you in a mighty way. And you've made Thank it you, tough. You've made it tough for me uh, this Sunday. I just want you to know that. I got to, I got to, I got to get back in the pulpit on Sunday after you this past week. I don't know. <laughs> what are you doing next week? <laughs> I'll be in Tennessee. Tennessee. We'll just, we'll just, uh, we'll just uh, bring you in on camera. That'll work. That's awesome. <laughs> we go. No doubt about it. You got any final comments? Maybe a, 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 a you may want to go ahead and say how people can get a hold of you again. Uh, yeah, you know, if they so want to, uh, if they want to book you to come and, and minister in your in their church. Yeah, so if you do want to book me, you do want more information about the ministry. Um, like I mentioned earlier, the best way is to do that is to go to RestoreMinistriesWV.com. On there, there will be a, there is a booking tab, and it just asks for your name, the church event, what's going on, so we can get a little bit more information, and then you'll be contacted um, as soon as possible. And all, all of our information is on the website, so any questions you would have, um, our email's on there if you'd like to reach out. Everything's on there, so that would be the best way. And once again, that's RestoreMinistriesWV.com. Tell us about this uh, this devotion that you wrote. Yeah, so I wrote a 52-week devotional book. And Pastor, as I was telling the congregation yesterday, is I've read a lot of devotions. And they're, they're a 365 devotion. You know, you have a devotion for a day. And as I read those, I realized, like, if on Monday I'm reading a devotional on faith, you know, having just that day to apply it, you know, maybe my faith isn't going to be tested on that day but maybe Tuesday it's tested. And so you don't really have a lot of time to apply that. Whereas the devotional that I wrote is a 52 week. So you've got one for every week. So on Monday you read, and let's say this devotions on faith, you've got Monday all the way to the following Monday to apply what you've read. That's so good. And then at the end of each devotional, there's some blank space so you can write. And, you know, this is, this is how my faith was tested this week. And this is how I overcome and so that way you can literally have evidence in your hand that I was an overcomer, that I was applied what I read. And so um, everywhere we go, it's sold out. That's why we didn't have any copies available for you all, because the, the night before we sold out. Wow. And so if there are, uh, if you are interested, you can just go on Amazon and just type in Isaac Carpenter um, devotional and it'll pop up. It's called an anchor devotional. And so you can just purchase it there on, on online. And so, but, but yeah, it's been an incredible thing. We're hearing a lot of testimonies of how, 
Um, it's, it's anchoring people's faith. And that was why I chose it to be called anchored because I really believe that this, this devotional will anchor people's faith. So it's been amazing. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. What a joy. I mean, what a privilege to be, uh, to be on, uh, on here with you and talking about the message that you preached yesterday. And thank you. Just absolutely powerful. Absolutely powerful. If you hang on there just a minute, uh, and I'm going to go ahead and shut this thing down. Hold on a second. If a person wants to be a part of this ministry, and you can text the word PULSE to 1-304-244-3187, you can give through PayPal on our website, thepulsechurch.com, or you can mail your love gift to P.O. Box 141, Gasaway, West Virginia, 26624. Let me tell you something. You give, I promise you, you will be blessed. Have a great day, everybody. John Sandy in the house tomorrow, beginning at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for the next edition of the Pulse WB Live. Have a great day, everybody.